want to thank our sponsor, Runway25, which we are very proud to be working with, as they are a veteran-owned company that creates stunning aviation coins, patches, key rings and prints that showcase military services from around the world. If you love the Tornado, you can now own their high-quality PVC Tornado Farewell Patch, Tornado GR Pin and the stunning Tornado Farewell Coin Set. Make sure you head over to their website at runway25.com to check out all their amazing products. Thank you and enjoy. So Mandy, you probably have many, but can you share a memorable story about your time on the GR4, one that sticks out really well in your mind? Um, yeah, I, mean, I share it in my book, actually, but um, one of the big ones for me was we were on... Um, it was my last time out in the Gulf and we were coming back to base. I was going home the next day and I was leading um, a four ship wow. and we got engaged by a surface to air missile. And it was right. It was a really unusual place because the sort of main roads between um, Al-Basra in the south east corner and Baghdad, they, those main routes were always busy. And there's quite a few surface to air missiles dotted around lots of AAA, the anti-aircraft artillery sites as well. But once you got along the Saudi Arabia border, there was like very little there. Yeah, and there hadn't yeah. been for months and nothing had happened. And so we started to relax. We're going home. We're starting to, you know, take out the program of we're in a high threat environment. And um, that's literally when someone blooming well launched a surface to air missile. And it was in a heat seeking mode. So we didn't get all of the normal radar returns that you would get that it's looking at you. And um, yeah, I mean, my nav was absolutely brilliant. He happened to spot it. We did um, the manoeuvre that we've been taught so many times. We put our flares out and the missile took the flares and it exploded a few miles away from us. Um, but then the whole complexity of the mission changed because, you know, we radioed through what had happened. And, you know, the way it works out there is that once an aggressive act made towards any one of the aircraft, you are then entitled in some ways to go and prosecute an attack on a target that you're carrying. Okay, and good. that has to be cleared obviously through the chain of command so we contacted the commander who's in the AWACS aircraft he told us to stand by everyone is suddenly on red alert now but it's right at the end of the mission and we're running out of fuel so you know we have to go and find the tanker down in, in Saudi Arabia and the complexity just kept on spiraling you know the weather was deteriorating there was a bit of a sandstorm around oh no Really, it's almost like this, you know, all of the little, you know, holes in the Swiss cheese were starting to align. But yeah. it was a complex mission. And, you know, we, we did destroy the target that we were given that night. Mm -hmm. But it, there were so many little twists and turns that I share, you know, in much more detail in my book. But it was, a, yeah, that was a certainly a very memorable night. Wow, that does sound quite intense. So, yeah, yeah Mandy, how many hours did you get on the GR4? Um, I got about a thousand, just under a thousand hours, which is such a shame because I didn't get my thousand hour badge, which was gutted about. But um, yeah, so I was just coming up to the end of my uh, tour when I got pregnant, basically. And uh, you can't fly when you're pregnant. So I then went into a second line job at Boscombe Down um, after I'd had my children, which was fantastic. And so I did a, yeah, a tour down at Boscombe Down uh, for that then. So yeah, before, uh, we're going to move on now, Mandy. Um, we've got some uh, a couple of questions from a patron here, if you're happy to answer them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is from uh, Noel Rodriguez. Uh, as a general question, what is your personal checklist procedure 
when you feel tempted to give up in times of personal challenge? I think it, so I think it's always about focusing on your purpose and your end goal. Uh, and you know what? There were so many times when it seemed that the odds were stacked against me, uh, even down to when I first applied. I mean, this was unbelievable. At the age of 16, first applied for a flying scholarship and I went and I was a really fit, six foot tall, really healthy young girl. And basically their height chart only went up to about five foot eight. And so when they looked at the scales, you know, they said, oh, my goodness, you're, you're obese. And I was like, well, look at me. I'm not obese. You know, I was playing county sport. I was yeah. literally as fit as a fizzle. And they said, no, you're suffering from an obesity problem. And they said, you know, you've got to, you're meant to be nine and three quarters stone. And I was 12, you know, I'm not six foot tall. I was 12 and a half stone, which was really healthy weight. And yeah. said, well, we won't give you a scholarship until you lose the weight. So you can imagine at 16, suddenly you're like, got to focus and that was really tough and again at that point you're thinking i've got to focus and but it was always what's the end purpose what is yeah. why am i doing it and i'm doing it because i want to achieve a goal and i think the more you focus on that end goal you know or even if it's incremental steps because do you know what sometimes an end goal is too big mm -hmm. it might be i just need to, to find the next level the next level and just as long as you're always progressing forward i think that's yeah. the thing thing and it's you know a lot of i speak at a lot of schools and they sort of say oh but it's just such a big thing to want to be a, a, a pilot you know how can i do it and i said well what's the next thing that you could do and they yeah. said oh, no, no, i could join the air training club yeah there's your first stepping stone so it's all about the stepping stones and achieving those those small wins and then and that keeps you positive yeah because i think a lot of people see like whatever like a pilot or some high level job it's just like oh it's impossible so i'm not even going to try yeah but there's all you say there's always a step and then you just go up like a ladder and uh... yeah absolutely and you just got to break them all down and it's the same in business isn't it you know you're setting up business it just feels absolutely monumental and suddenly you break it down to the incremental steps and there's something that you can always do to be moving forward yeah absolutely and another one from Noel, um, what was it like flying the Tornado in DACT against other aircraft? Well, to be honest, you don't actually do the Tornado because the, the Tornado F3 is the, the fighter. They would do a lot more practicing, you know, DACT, whereas for ourselves, you don't really do much at all. So I can't think of a time when we actually would do air combat against another one. I mean, we do very minimal air, con you know, air combat anyway. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's that. But um, yeah, so it's, um, I'm sorry, our print is just. <laughs> I'm leaving that in, that's great. <laughs> Gosh, oh, sorry, just turning it off. There we go. There we go. And this is <laughs> from uh, an anon uh, anonymous uh, patron. Uh, did you ever go supersonic in the tornado? And if so, did you do it often? Uh, you don't do it often, actually, no, because when you, you're normally carrying stores, so it's very infrequently you actually, you know, can go supersonic because of the stores that you're carrying. Mm -hmm. um, bizarrely, I, one of the best ones I've done supersonic was um, was in the Tornado F3, actually. I, I hate to say this. Oh, you know, no. <laughs> almost going to go, what? And I went flying with a colleague, uh, a wonderful woman, Sue Freeman, and she was an instructor as well, and basically... Um, Afterwards, I was I was looking after all maintaining all the flight reference cards and the aircrew document sets and things. And she's she said, well, it would be good for you to have an insight into the F3 because you're so familiar with the GR4. Mm -hmm. So she took me flying and she said, 
we've got nothing on, man. Should we, um, as in nothing, there were no stores on the aircraft. Yeah. So we to do some uh, low-level, speed, high speed over the sea. So it was all very, you know, correct. But my goodness, I think we hit 1.2 going over the sea, over the North Sea. And oh. it was, yeah, it was phenomenal. Um, but, but the weird thing is when you're going through the speed sound through Mach 1, you don't really know it in the jet. You know, there's nothing apart from seeing the Mach micrometer going above one. So there's, there's no slight buffer or anything like that? No, not really, because okay. I mean, it may be a slight bufferting, but it's nothing, you it's, you know, the sound barrier is boom, it's gone behind you. It's it's not there and it's you're not yeah. here. So, yeah. Brilliant. So we're going to move on. Uh, I want to congratulate you on the uh, your uh, release of your new book, uh, An Officer, Not a Gentleman. Do you mean... Uh, do you mean- this yes, is- that one. You've got one handy. Yay! Yes, that's the one. Yeah. So, Amanda, yeah, tell us about the book, uh, how it started and oh. how long it took to write. Well, it's, uh, the words labour of love come out on this one without a doubt, Mike. So, yeah, it's. I think anyone that thinks I'll write a book, you think, yeah, I've got lots of stories. Yeah, it'll be easier. I can say it's not. It takes so much longer than you think it'll take. So I worked in collaboration, actually, with um, a great friend of mine from university who's a journalist, uh, Rob. So he knew me really well. He knew my humour. He knew my voice, which is really important. So the two of us in really close collaboration got the book together. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, he is he's a really talented writer as well. So he, with his help, we managed to produce the end product. It took about three and a half years from starting to actually getting it out there. Um, and yeah, it's challenging. I think one of the big pauses for us was we tried to go down the publishing route. <clears throat> we got a literary agent and we sent it off to these all these publishers. And I've got to share my first rejection letter. I'm going to tell you what they said. It said, Brilliant. Yeah. It said plain books. Pla- they called it a plain book. Plain, book. plain <laughs> books are for a male readership who would have no interest in a woman's story. What? Quote, unquote. Wow. And I just got this rejection letter and I thought, are we still in this world? You know, That's you want to talk about biases. I could not believe, this was just two years ago, that they had sent that out to me. I thought, this is appalling. I mean, I was genuinely shocked. And all I ever need, I love that though, a little red red rag to the ball. Yeah, spurred you on. <laughs> yeah, it spurred me on. And I thought, well, that's it. So I, I ended up self-publishing it. Um, found myself a fantastic guy that, to do all the formatting. And he came up with the, the brilliant front cover, which I just I love the front cover. It's, it's love brilliant. It. So, you know, he's done a great job. And I think coming together as the whole package, it's been really exciting, but it did take me a lot longer than I thought. So at first, I, w- I never planned to write a book at all. But because I do a lot of motivational speaking and, and keynote speaking, one of the questions every single person would ask is, have you written a book? And if, if, when's it going to be out? And I was like, I just kept saying no. Oh, no, I could. And I did the classic. I kept saying, no, I'm not a writer. No, I couldn't do that. And then I started saying, maybe I could and then I started to say well I might do yes in the future I might you know mm-hmm. and then I started saying yeah I will write a book and so once you start saying you will you think now I've got to <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've got to now. Actually, I thought well yeah it's time to get that story down and and you know what if you can if it can act as an inspiration I mean originally I was thinking it would be and I think one of the sorry the, the interesting things is you know it's really easy to put people into boxes and I've never been one to be put in a box, quite literally. You know, they want to compartmentalise. And I think when we were trying to get it out to the publishers, they said, well, what's the genre? Who is it for? Young, <laughs> old, uh, you know, male, female. I was like, well, it's for everyone. And they were going, no, that doesn't work. 
you can't get a book that a teenager would read and uh, the older generation would read. And I said, well, it does work because I literally speak to all of those audiences from primary school to my lovely ladies of the WIs. You know, I speak to them all the time. Plus, oh, hold on a minute, C-suite executives in the middle, you know, out in, you know, wherever America. So, yeah, it does. The story works. And storytelling is the most powerful tool for getting messages out there. And actually to reflect it in the book, guess what? The messages are all there, but they're all wrapped up in some brilliant stories. Yeah, so is it, is it a general, is the premise of the book your career? Um, is it about the GR4 itself? Tell us a bit about the book itself. Yeah, so we skip over my early years very, very quickly in, in a literary matter of sort of four pages, I think. Um, and we progress as quickly as we can to get to the meat of it, which is I thought it would be interesting to share the flying training. And um, yeah, all the different bits that you do on top of the training, things like the survival training that you have to do. And you do that at each stage of training as well. You that think, sounds really? terrifying, by the way. <laughs> well, the conduct after capture course is a very interesting course. Yeah, that mm. that is challenging. That's your classic, you know, SAS who dares wins. You're doing that, you know, and it is intense. I think the RF said that there was a 10 year currency on this course and everyone that did it went, if you ever make me do it again, I'm not I'm going to leave. I'm um, leaving. So, um, yeah, that was challenging. But, yeah, the, the premise of the book is it, it progresses as quickly to the flying, gives a little bit of meat about the flying training, just out of interest for people as well. Uh, and then, you know, it really does cover those tornado years, um, which, you know, are of, of great interest. And there's some fantastic flying scenes in there. You really can be, I mean, when we've got the dogfighting scenes going on or when we're at RAF Valley, you know, it's, it's exciting. You know, it really yeah. is sort of top gun on the page, um, which is fantastic. And I feel that I've really captured, you know, the journey I went through. And I'm, I hate, I'm not using that as an, you know, Simon Cowell sort of way, but, you know, actually it really was a journey. Uh, there mm-hmm. were ups and downs, but there were loads of funny incidents as well. And there's yeah. quite humour in the book. So, yeah, I generally I'm having some wonderful, wonderful feedback already from all over the world, actually. And, you know, from a lot of men who seem to have an interest in a woman's story, which is nice. Um, but also because it's about flying. You know, why wouldn't you be interested in that? You know, and of course, yeah. even younger audiences are saying this is exactly the book I want to be reading to inspire me to fulfill my dreams, too. But uh, moving on, is there, is there uh, pictures in the book of your flying career? Yeah, there are. So um, unfortunately, you couldn't get the, I couldn't get them in colour. You can't do that uh, on print on demand. Um, which yeah, of course. Yeah. But if you get it on uh, an e-book, you could you can watch it or look at it. Sorry, on um Kindle, where of course it'd be black and white, but if it's on a tablet, they're all in colour as well. So there's a whole patch in the middle, about twelve pages of all the different, different photos. You know, from me being a, literally an innocent thirteen-year-old air training corps cadet down to, uh, yeah, me on the front line and and some of the missions that we were on. Brilliant. So could you tell our viewers where we can find the book? Yeah, so it's on Amazon basically, um, and you can just download it as well. So it's, it's on Kindle, but it's you can purchase it on Amazon. So yeah, just to type in an officer, not a gentleman. So Mandy, do you have any hobbies? Uh, yeah, lots actually. So I love tennis. I'm a really keen tennis player. So I do that about two or three times a week if I can. My passion is skiing. And the new passion from lockdown is now mountain biking. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've got these sort of, you know, cross bikes. And we thought we, we live here on the south, in Winchester on the South Downs Way. Mm-hmm. And so as all the gyms had shut, we said, well, why don't we get back into doing it? Oh, my goodness, I'm loving it. And loving I, it. And guess what? I'm loving the thrill of going downhill very, very fast with a slight risk. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I should perhaps be a bit more sensible. 
So uh, this could be an easy one or a difficult one for you, Mandy. Uh, Favourite aircraft you have flown? Um, I think it would have to be the GR4. Yeah, it's, it's so close to my heart. But um, yeah, the, the Hawk would definitely be up there because the thing I love about the Hawk is it's a sort of such an easy aircraft to operate. You know, the, the Tornado's got much more complexities. It, you know, it takes you 45 minutes before you can get it going in the Tornado, whereas a hawk, you can almost get in, kick the fires, light the, you know, kick the tires, light the fires, and on off you go, sort of feel to it. But um, obviously, in a very professional manner, I mean. Um, yeah. But it feels like the sports car of the fast jet world, the the uh, hawk, and because um, it's got quite a short nose as well, you feel like you like that rush. You do feel like you're going incredibly fast in it as well. It's fantastic. And is there an aircraft you wish you could have flown? Um, I'm not going to say the Harrier. Absolutely. Yeah, don't say that. No, that, no, no. I'm not <laughs> going to say that. No. Um, I well, I would have loved to actually. I mean, Eurofighter was coming out at the time, and a couple of my colleagues were going on to Eurofighter, and I did go in the sim. Um, and yeah, I did manage to get a trip on one. And I then signed up as a volunteer reservist. So for eight years after leaving the Air Force, I was also a volunteer reservist. So I still had my full medical category. And then right towards the end, unfortunately, I had to have quite severe back surgery. I had two discs replaced in my spine. Uh-huh. And they therefore took away my um, ejection seat capacity. Oh. And a friend of mine who was flying, you know, Typhoon at the time, he said, oh, man, come on up. I'll, you know, sort out getting a trip for you, especially because you're in the reserve still. And I was like, yeah, great. And then I was like, I've lost my medical catcher. I'm not allowed. <laughs> and it was just like the timing was really annoying. So oh. I loved to have had a go in that one. But the F-35 looks pretty phenomenal, doesn't it? It does, oh. doesn't it? Yeah. Wouldn't you love to have a go in that one? Yeah, it's like a flying iPhone, isn't it? <laughs> you know it really is but i love it when they said i was watching the program and they just said yeah it doesn't seem to be working that just turn it all off and turn it back on. i was like my goodness it's just like our laptops <laughs> yeah just restart yeah uh, but uh, you briefly mentioned that you did some speaking but you're you're currently a motivational speaker can you tell us about this and how you got into it yeah um i, oh, I love it i really love it and this is why i'm so sad in the middle of lockdown not to be able to get on the stage and, and do this because it's quite humbling when you get invited to some of these events you know oh, yeah and you really see that you can make a difference it started off um going into schools initially and then hilariously i'll tell you the real story i was in a, at a dinner party and mm. telling the story about oh, a bit tipsy about being shot at in iraq and someone at the dinner party said oh my goodness, this would make a fantastic keynote speech for an event I've got coming up. Would you speak at Brockett Hall in Hertfordshire for us? 20 minutes, it's all about risk and decision-making under pressure. I was like, well, that story works. And so I did that for them. And they said, well, that, that's brilliant. And I thought, this is really good. And you know, A, I'm, I'm quite a confident person and I do quite enjoy performing. But I also love, I'm a very, very extrovert character and I love meeting new people all the time so yeah. it really fit into a perfect you know job for me to do and I never would have thought I'd make a career out of doing it but I've literally traveled I think it's over over 30 countries now all over the world doing it um my diary you know is almost fully booked for the key months you know so October November March yeah. I'm almost fully booked to, to travel all over the world and and I genuinely love it and but I still desperately try to get into schools because I do um, quite a, a lot of uh, sessions for Inspiring the Future, which is a charity which tries to get role models into schools just to try to, to raise the profile of different careers that perhaps were more thought of being more gender specific in the past. But, um, you know, as a, as a job, when you can make a difference 
I think the best one I've ever done was um, I was speaking at this big event, huge event, four and a half thousand people, you know, amazing event. And I loved it. And then the following week, and I also spoke at a school that was in special measures not that far away in Southampton. And the following week, I was speaking to a chief executive group. It was a really intimate session. And um, one of the questions they asked me was, um, what's been the, the biggest biggest achievement so far this year, Mandy? And I thought, oh, it's got to be the speaking at this huge event. And I thought about it and I thought, no. It was an email I got from the head teacher who had had this real problematic girl who was incredibly intelligent. She had turned up. Um, and at my speech, and I could see her on the front row. She sort of got purplish hair, quite a lot of piercings, you know, and she was determined to not fulfill her potential. She wanted to go and do, um, not do her A-levels. She wanted to go with all her friends to do, to college and do the hairdressing courses and beauticians courses. Anyway, she sat and listened to my speech and she went up to the headmistress and I'm going to remove the expletives because the headmistress actually quoted the expletives in her. Oh, wow. <laughs> this girl came up to me and she went, do you know what, miss? If she can beep, do it, then so can I. So I've decided I'm going to do the beep course at, um, you know, at a college that you keep on telling me to do. So I'm going to do my A-level. And do you know what? If you can just get one one student to think about things, to perhaps change their their pathway or, you know, or the, the route that they're going to take, then to be me, that is massively you know inspiring for me as well so not just a lovely career to be able to go and do what I do but if you can make a difference to people and and change the track of their lives then that's pretty pretty powerful stuff so moving on nicely so where can we actually find yourself online do you have a website social media yeah so um I'm on uh it's just hickson limited so hicksonltd.com um and I'm on LinkedIn, if anyone wants to connect to me on LinkedIn, you know, I'd be delighted to connect to you. I'm on Twitter uh, at Mandy Hickson and I'm on Instagram, Mandy Hickson Speaker, and I'm on Facebook as Mandy Hickson Speaker as well. So, yeah, lots of opportunities to get in touch. And yeah, I post lots of bits and bobs about what I've been up to, but also, you know, great articles or nice clips if there's some interesting footage, you know, I pop it on there as well. So, yeah, it's great. That's brilliant. Uh, so yeah, I'm guessing for myself and our viewers, we're wishing you all the luck with the book. And yeah, thank you for joining us. It's been a real pleasure, uh, pleasure talking to you. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it. It's lovely to meet you too. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mandy. <laughs>